So three things we're recognizing today is uh, today's Mission Sunday for our church. Our second celebration, which is a biggie, comes only every 500 years, is the 500-year anniversary of the Reformation. And on this day, October 30, well, two days, uh, a man named, a professor named Martin Luther went to the Church of Wittenberg and saw a door, and he nailed what's called a 95 Theses. And so all around the world today, uh, Protestant churches are celebrating Reformation. And so we wanted to kind of touch upon that and what the choir just sang Grace alone was a huge cry of the Reformation. So, let me just give you a backdrop of what all this is. Can you imagine um, living in a society in a time where the church you went to um, was growing big, and it was the 16th century, and they were growing big because they were getting a lot of money. They were getting a lot of money because the priests were saying, you know, you need to come to church to go to heaven and be saved and be forgiven. But there was a corruption growing for the past three, four hundred years where the church traditions became a higher authority than the word of God. Now, if that happens in the layman terms is people, humans can make up rules for the church and what forgiveness is and is not. For example... If somebody named Joe commits a big sin and they say, I sinned greatly, the priest would say, you, need, you can purchase forgiveness. We call it an indulgence. You pay the church money, I'll give you a piece of paper, and you will be declared forgiven. So it was very popular. So people started dishing money to the church, and the church gained a lot of money, and corruption grew. They also said there's this thing called purgatory. So if somebody you love dies and goes to purgatory and you don't want them to go to hell or stay in purgatory, you could purchase a way for them to get out of it. So you can imagine, I mean, if I have a best friend who just died in a car accident and I'm like, Where, is he in heaven? Who knows, but let's guarantee it. You come to church and give us $500 and we'll pray for him. So this corruption was rampant, and people started picking up on this and saying, is that what the Bible teaches? And so Martin Luther was studying the Bible. He was trying to be right with God, and he was like, what's wrong with me? I am such a wretched man, and I, how do I get right with God? And as he studied the Bible, guess what he discovered? Romans chapter 1, verse 17 that Michelle read today, our, our youth student, was that righteousness, the righteous will live by faith, that God declares us righteous not by anything you pay, do, or give, but only through faith can you become declared righteous. Faith in Jesus Christ. So, the people were living under this corruption, but two things happened. The first was Martin Luther. This is what Martin Luther looks like. Uh, he liked beer. He was a German. And he wrestle with his own personal spirituality, and he discovered in the scriptures that grace and faith alone. And so this is the door of Wittenberg Church, where he actually went up and nailed the 95 Thesis. Uh, more effective than Facebook, more effective than a poster. And so the first thing that happened was Martin Luther rose up, and other theologians came together and said, this doesn't seem right. The church became corrupt. Uh, every human organization will become corrupt when it leads by its own ideas. Second thing that happened was a man named Johannes Gutenberg made this. Does anyone know what this is? The first iPhone. The first original iPhone. You could get text messaging. You could write emails. 
you could, uh, so this is the Gutenberg press. He was a goldsmith, and he invented this press where you could multiply and make multiplications of periodicals and publication. Why was that important? The reason why the people didn't know the priests were being corrupt and the Pope was corrupt. They didn't know how to read the Bible. They didn't understand Latin. They went to church every Sunday and it was preached in a language where they didn't understand. Let me play a sample and can you imagine for 52 weeks this is That's a Christian pastor preaching in Hindi in India. And this is a man of God, but people don't understand. So they just sit there because they have to be at church giving offering and taking communion sacraments, but they're not learning the Bible. So when you have ignorance and you have those of knowledge, what can you do? Abuse power of the word of God and say this is what the Bible says. And so Gutenberg Press opened up this channel where communication of what the Bible says and the Bible could be given to each person so they could read for their own. And so the reformers came up with a summary and I'm going to run through this blazing fast and summarizing the whole Reformation. What do we believe? What does the Bible say? And they call it the five solas. Can you say five solas? And so these are the five solas, and we'll go right into it. The first sola, let's say it together, sola scriptura. And the word sola means only. So scripture only. What does that mean? The reformer said, in the church, there's only one authority. It is that person who gives the most offering. Amen? Oh, I'm so glad somebody laughed. <laughs> if you didn't, you'd be like, well, what's wrong with that? What is, the, uh, not yet. what is the authority of the church? The word of God. So if there's a pastor preaching, how do you know if he has authority? Because he went to seminary and has a title and a doctorate degree? No. The authority of the church and what we believe in and adhere to is not what's spoken in the pulpit. It's the word of God that's communicated from the pulpit. So if the traditions and teachings do not line up with Scripture, guess which one has authority? And the Reformers said, the Word of God, sola scriptura. How does that look today? Friends, you have access to hundreds of podcasts, sermons, TV, you know, channels, Sunday mornings. The issue is not who is the best preacher or the, you know, most entertaining. For the church today, it's what is the word of God. How do I live in it? How do I follow it? And how do I let God shine his truth through me? So the church that proclaims the word of God as the authority, Jesus is obviously the savior, but the authority of this church is not even the session. Session is a human organizational authority, but it's the word of God. So when you're listening to me, you gotta say, is the pastor preaching from the word of God? Now the verse from Proverbs uh, 30 verse 5 and 6. Every word of God is flawless. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words or he will rebuke you and prove you a liar. Isaiah 40 verse 8 says, The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of God lasts forever. Sola Scriptura. The authority of your life and this church 
is the word of God. Second sola, they said sola, solus Christus. Could you say that? It's only Christ. It simply means this. Jesus Christ is the only mediator and access point to God. Not the priest, not the church, not an organization, but how do you get right with God? Through Jesus Christ. I love this verse, John 14, 6. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So at the time, the reformers were aghast and just disgusted because the church was saying, you want to go to God, you got to come to us first. And they said, no, wait, wait, wait. There's only one true access to God, and his name is Jesus. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, Apostle Paul wrote, For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus. In a pluralistic society like today where we say, hey, everyone matters, every religion matters. You know, when you say that, you offend Muslims, you offend Jews, and you offend, you offend 90% of the world. <laughs> By saying every religion matters. We're trying to be inclusive, but when you say every religion matters, you've actually offended 90% of like the world population. Because the three main religions do not believe in pluralism. Only Western culture does. And so what the reformer 16th century said, wait a minute, do I need to go to church in order to find God? Yes and no, you could go to church to hear the word of God. But you want direct access to God? Solus Christus. Through Jesus Christ alone. And I love Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who is in every respect has been tempted as we are yet was without sin. Jesus was sinless. He lived a life you and I are living now, and he lived it perfectly for God. And when he died on the cross, through him, God was satisfied with the sin payment and Jesus rose again. In Christ, we find life. It's not a church feeling. It's not music. It's not a building. But it's in Jesus Christ that you can find access to God. And the people of God said, amen. amen. Third, sola gratia. gratia. What is this saying? Grace alone. Grace alone. Miss Megan did a perfect, perfect illustration. I'm giving you a present wouldn't you be offended if someone gives you a present and you say, this is wonderful, here's two bucks. I mean, if somebody gives you like a house, I bought you a house, mom. I love you so much. I, I made the NFL. I'm starting quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys and I bought you a house. How insulting or how, how just awkward if the mom says, here's five bucks. No, it's free. When we come before God, how do we have access to salvation and forgiveness? Sola gratia. It is a gift of God for proud people to humble themselves and simply say, yes, I need your gift. And so this is what the reformers were saying, that Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, the gift, the present, on, you don't have to pay for it, is eternal life in Jesus Christ, our Lord. How do we live that today? Friends, how many of you, don't raise your hand, know somebody that says, oh, if you knew the life I lived, God wouldn't want me. Oh, what do I need to do to get right with God? 
Pastor, do I need to go to church? I need to get right with God. I'm going to come to church every Sunday. Good intention, bad solution. If you want to be right with God, it is a gift God has already paid for you through the death of his son, Jesus Christ. You could only humbly receive it. You can't pay for it. You can't work for it. It is a gift. And the reformers were saying, priests, Roman Catholic Church, I'm not sure what you're talking about. You can't pay and buy this. You can't buy forgiveness. So, third, so after that, so how do I access that? Sola fide means faith alone. So how do I receive this? What's my part? It's simply faith in Jesus Christ and his trusting in Jesus, who he is, what he's done, gives me access to that. Some of you may have heard this verse in your life, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For it is by grace you have been saved, right? It is a gift of God. Not by works, uh, through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one could boast. Now, just to put it this way, can you imagine that you hear today, you come to church, you've been bad. Go read the Bible for 10 hours, whip yourself five times, and start giving money, and we'll talk about it next week. Now, you walk away with a remedy. All right, I know what to do. But there is this heaviness. Because if I do that, I paid off my own debts. And Jesus Christ never teaches us, you better pay for your own debts. He says, the Son of Man will die. He will be betrayed. He will be crucified. He will rise again on the third day. Why? For the salvation of the world. Faith alone. So the confidence is this. How is this relevant today? It's simply this for the church. This is more for the longtime church people. Your faith is your confidence and trust. But I ask you, as the reformers are pointing us, in who or whom? Is it in your own deeds? Is it in your parents' lineage? Is it in your works in the past? Or is it seriously in Jesus Christ and who he is alone? That's sola fide. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And lastly, the reformers said, you know what all of this is about? Let's say this together. Soli Deo Gloria. What is life all about? It's about happiness, fun, and improved living. Amen? So glad you laughed at that again. Because this is what the reformers said. The reason God saves you and me is not even for us ultimately. It's for his glory alone. The reason God saves you and sinners, wretched people like me, is not even for me, although he loves me. It's for his glory alone. He saves you through his son, Jesus, dying on the cross, not to improve your life, but to glorify himself in your life, through you. See, the church, we get the wrong question when we say, how do we grow this church? I got a better question. How do we glorify God magnificently through this church community? When you ask that question, preferences go to the side. You know, fighting about petty stuff go to the side. And we get back to the priority of, I was redeemed and saved for God's glory alone. Hallelujah. Lord, let me live for you. And so, the reformers, these are the five solas 
and these are the most beautiful things. Some people say the greatest thing after resurrection was the Reformation. Because the church for three, four hundred years got off track. And the reformers were not creating a new religion. They were returning us back to the word of God. How many of you have Bibles at home? By the way, if you have an iPhone, you have a Bible. <laughs> not the best Bible. I like the paper kind. But in 500 years later, studies have shown we're back in the dark ages. People don't know the Bible. They're living according to their own preferences and popular thought. People don't yield to what the word of God says. And we fought 500 years ago for that. And we came back full circle back into this lostness and human power and preferences. And so reformation now means will you let the word of God be the single authority of your life? Will you adhere to that? Would you trust in grace of God as a gift received that he purchased? Would you let faith in Jesus Christ mold you and you cling to that? Let the earth fade and fall, but my trust in Jesus Christ, that's all I ever need. Would you let the glory of who Jesus Christ is, the mediator between you and God, and would you do it all for the glory of God? See, God hates religious people. He doesn't need us to do religious works, but he loves people. And the reformers brought us back to the word to say, this is how we can live for God in the right way. May you be blessed, may you be challenged, and may you live for his good news alone. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for just the lineage and history of our church that we're Protestants because we protested just an injustice of abuse of power of the church. And as a pastor, I can see how it could be so easily manipulated. So we humble ourselves before you that there is no second-class Christians. We are all saved by the grace. May we live for your glory alone as we seek your face and be honored and magnified in our lives, in our church. We pray with the prayer that your son Jesus taught us as we say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is a kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.